Hello and welcome to the Money Marketing Podcast and welcome to our end of month podcast. I'm joined again by the editorial team. So I'm going to start by introducing myself. I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and we have... Katie Pigden, Editor of Money Marketing. Lois Fallaly, Chief Reporter. Oh, hi, Mohamed uh, Moussatouri, Senior Reporter. And I'm Darius Duquade, Investments Reporter. Thank you guys for joining me again. I know that we had quite a busy September. Um, some of us more than others. Um, we were out and about and we had a very successful awards show. The Money Marketing Awards went very well at the Londoner. And uh, Katie, you were back up on stage. How did that feel? Nerve-wracking. <laughs> Absolutely nerve-wracking, Kim. I was pleased when it was over. Um, no, it was a fantastic night and um, had some very nice feedback from people, which was lovely. But yeah, I was absolutely dreading it. My my first time reading from an auto queue. I know it you is did really well. Reading. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to know you were nervous, Katie. Oh, I was yes, watching I you and I was like, you were really good at balancing out uh, reading the auto queue on like either side of you but then also when you had that opportunity to look at the audience on either side as well yeah yes yeah. <laughs> was trying to but um yeah so obviously really um great that with the events team supporting us as well and how yeah. fantastic night that was but I think I, I don't know Kim but the level of engagement that we've had around it seems to have been more than we, we've had in in recent years which is really nice I know it's a different yeah. format um, but bringing the glamour back with the yeah. an actual red carpet there was a red carpet for everyone to walk on which yeah. is lovely um and I think just yeah all, all around it was really nice to celebrate those success stories of the past yeah. year yeah I think everyone had a really great time and yeah I've seen a lot more engagement and uh keep it coming I love seeing everyone's feedback and tweets and LinkedIn messages and Instagrams next year maybe we'll have a couple of TikToks we'll see um, <laughs> but yeah it was a, it was a really fantastic night um I, I know we'll um preview the the coming up mag um came a bit later but just to sort of say to people to have a little look out for that one because it will be a bumper issue with the mm -hmm. write-ups as to, to why the winners deserve to win and, and comments from the judges photos from the night as well so if anyone yeah. felt that they missed out or just wants to read a little bit more about why they won then yeah that's what we should look out for definitely yeah the photos are absolutely stunning um oh, so even the ones of like so Lois walking in the rain I was going to say I had such a good night, but I spent 45 minutes on my hair and then I walked to the awards and it took 15 minutes and I got caught in a thunderstorm and it was just horrendous. It was the biggest middle class nightmare. See, and that's why people <laughs> tune into this podcast, Kim. That's exactly the type of thing that they want to be hearing about yeah. behind the scenes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, How we got where we are. I think that's very important. Um, but let's get into re the real meat and bones of this podcast, I guess. And um, I will ask you guys what you covered in September. Um, Darius, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um uh, for September issue, I interviewed Andy Curran, who's uh, chief executive of Standard Life. So I, I did MM meets with um, with Andy. It was my first. That one That was well. your first one, yeah. That was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And See. how did it go? Yeah, it was a good. Thing. It was definitely a, definitely a different experience um, having a sort of that level of um, that level of time to sort of interviewing someone or getting that you know detailed with 
everything that's going on about, you know, and like his past, present, and so forth, and the ideas of the future and what's going on with the company. But yeah, no, it, was, it was really interesting. It was um, definitely a good experience. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that, yeah. It, was, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it gives you um, more than enough to sort of talk and write about, yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that you covered in September that stood out? Obviously, you wrote quite a few pieces for online, and I know quite a few of them made it to our top 10. And quite a few of them, not quite a few, a couple surrounded SJP and the new CEO. Yeah. Um, well, the, uh, yeah, the article I wrote was about um, an SJP partner speaking to me about mm-hmm. what they hoped the new SJP CEO would bring. Um, yeah. Very soon before the actual announcement uh, actually came from SJP. Um, yeah. The other they said that like, they must be brave. Yeah, must be brave and yeah, change a lower the sort of vice and fee model. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, the, the person did sort of make it clear that, you know, they think SJP do, um, you know, positive things and do some, they're really strong in certain areas. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, he um, gets more things right and does wrong. But it, it was mm-hmm. um, the, the exit fees in particular was um, something they sort of zoomed in on saying that, you know, because SJP have exit fees, it can leave a client feeling sort of trapped because, you know, it, it's sort of, um, it, it's not as easy to move on and so forth because they actually have to sort of go through a process and, you know, pay to do so. So, yeah, they um, they thought that'd be one, like one of the first things the, the new CEO, you know, hopefully, will, you know, a new rule would be implemented was they, they sort of get rid of that to make uh, clients feel a bit more sort of easy and free to use uh, SJP and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Obviously, following that, um, they appointed a new CEO. They did, yeah. Then, yeah, Mark Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, we took over, or well, to take over Andrew Croft's um, uh, position, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I, I think it was a, a few days after um, I, um, I wrote my article, but yeah, so Fitzpatrick was. Uh, group CEO of um, Prudential on an interim basis um, until uh, February this year, 2023. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, the, the rumours that there was a lot of sort of talk that it would be Fitzpatrick, and then mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, they were accurate this time around. Yeah, Fitzpatrick yeah. did receive a position, so yeah. But also, SJP did win um, Academy. Um, Advisor Academy at the Money Marketing Awards as well. So I guess there are things that they do well in. Yeah, I, so. I mean, it's always going to be, it's going to divide the audience, I would imagine, mm-hmm. Kim, as to to how that's received. But I think anyone sort of trying to make advice more of a welcoming profession to a wider audience is a, is a good thing. So um, for us, that was a new category this year. So it was a hotly mm-hmm. contested category. There's mm-hmm. some other great academies doing some brilliant things as well. And I think it's one of those things that probably the whole profession needs to come together a little bit more for that yeah. one to attract you know new talent in or second careerists or whatever that may be because we know again this can sort of be depending on who we speak to is there an advice gap well I think most of us think yes mm-hmm. there is um, and there's m- many people that can't access that advice but also you know with that comes the advisor gap itself that you know mm-hmm. we could do with more advisors in the profession as well and more people that didn't just stumble 
into financial services that they actually wanted to come into that profession and help people financial planning whatever that might be so uh yep lovely to see sjp recognized for the work in that area i think there was also another story in the top 10 we for us we know we often joke if we just put sjp in the headline it will do really really well yeah, it'll do <laughs> numbers of- what we put in the story, good, bad, or in between. Um, But this was that they'd created a new research role, Mm -hmm. I think, and they'd um, appointed Joe Wiggins, who was previously at SJP. Um, And again, just jumping ahead to sort of the October issue, but we've got an interesting piece from Robin Powell sort of saying, are we going to start seeing a change with SJP with, you know, changes at the top, new people coming in, different mm-hmm. sort of direction. So certainly for the new CEO, um, I think everyone likes to sort of get their, their feet under the table probably a little bit to find out exactly how the company's working and operating. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do want to make their own mark as well. No pun intended with his actual name, but, um, you know, to, to see how they want to, to shape things. Obviously, a big advice company. Um, so lots of people would say, you know, doing many things right already. Um, yeah. We know that there's a lot of arguments around those exit fees, around the fee structure, around certain things as well. So, yeah, that. I think one to watch, one for us to keep an eye on as a team to see see what's going on there. Yeah, see whether the feedback is positive or they're like, no, he's not brave enough. He's not different enough um, and see how that goes. I wonder if people would actually say that. Um, well, sometimes also, I guess for them, there's the thing of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that too. If they don't view it as that there's anything that needs changing, then, then yeah. perhaps it will be stay as it is but um yeah and then if you make too many changes then people will be like yeah this this person doing yeah you know the regulator as we all know the regulator's looking more closely at certain things especially around consumer duty yeah so i think every company will have to have a look at itself anyway and say Mm -hmm. well are we representing fair value here or um you know what could we be doing differently in this time where there's increased scrutiny on us and arguably you know they should have been doing it anyway um but even more so they're gonna have to pay attention now yeah um and staying with you katie uh what stood out for you in september apart from you know opening the money marketing awards oh, well um so i actually wrote a leader for the magazine um about platforms um i done it as a sort of dear ceo um style yes um, about the fca showing interest in in cash savings and how you know the the platform should look at sort of their uh, cousins i called them as the banks and building societies and and the issues that were sort of going on there in terms of how much interest is being passed on on to customers and one thing um i, I do love some of the comments from our readers one time so it was described as a snotty petulant piece of journalism um, <laughs> and so it gave me an idea of maybe we shouldn't call them leaders maybe a snotty petulant piece of journalism is what they should be renamed um but it, it was more of a thing to to get people thinking about this and to sort of see well look the regulator has paid attention to this in the past it's going to do so even more now it had written a letter to platform bosses and SIP providers to ask them how much interest are you paying or flip it around how much interest are you 
keeping. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that that's some of the clear things. And actually, only last week, we had another dear CEO letter from the mm-hmm. regulator itself go out to those platforms um, yeah. and cash came up again. So my snotty, petulant piece of journalism. <laughs> <laughs> I would like, I would like to, for that person who said that to you, I would like for you to go and take up a service that they provide and say something like that and see how they react. Because I feel like they're the type of person who would break straight away I don't think they would be able to take that kind of that's why a snotty petulant piece of financial advice in all fairness I think when I had a little bit of fun with it by putting it on LinkedIn and I didn't name the person or anything like that but um they then did say oh I forgot to add that actually I love snotty and petulant so <laughs> apparently there are why would you use so is that so what you're what this person is saying that the, those are terms of endearment that they use for like their children they call oh, them snotty petulant children him i'll take what i get i i don't mind it, it's um <laughs> i i can make fun of myself anyway usually so i i really don't mind at all but yeah it, it was just trying to highlight you know an issue that was coming up I thought time and time again, um, and and something that platforms will need to address. But it was funny for me because I hadn't done anything for the mag for quite some time. So by writing that leader, I almost forgot to write the editor's view because I thought I'd done the bit that I really needed to do. And it was only on the sort of like final couple of days. I thought, oh gosh, <laughs> I actually need to write something else. Um, so yeah, that one stood out for me. Um, another one for online. Obviously, people may have realised that Michael Klein's no longer with us, has departed. But he wrote a weekend essay and whether brilliant, I don't know, the headline, Goodbye Money Marketing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think people might have been duped and thought that maybe money marketing as a brand was saying goodbye. (laughs) No disrespect Mm. to Mike, very good weekend essay. Very good to learn about his career in financial journalism and, you know, delving into the pensions and investment side of things. But I think um, it was probably clickbait at its finest. Even yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> but it, I, I'm almost certain knowing Mike, it was accidental. It was not intentional at all. Because we did have um, someone that used to help us out with some writing every now and again, actually, I think put on on X um, and and said, oh, I thought something terrible had happened at Money Marketing. And I was like, well, it did. Our news editor's gone. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, maybe not quite as as terrible as it first appeared. Yeah. Yeah. We're still around. uh, Just down down at Michael Klein's. Exactly. uh, I, I don't think that's a shape we can ever fill really mm. that, but oh, we are, will forever be a, a Michael Klein space yeah. um and Lois what about you what did you cover in September that stood out to you um I for the September magazine I wrote the cover feature and it was mm-hmm. all about not the consumer duty but a different piece of regulation um which was so the financial conduct authority made why did I call it that? The FCA made changes to its um, 
appointed representatives regime, which is um, for any firms that have appointed representatives. So in financial advice space, that would be financial advice networks. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a conversation with someone from a network a while ago, and she was saying that uh, it was the conversation was about the consumer duty. But then she was saying, actually, for networks, the AR regime is the thing that's really affecting us. So I thought I'd look into that a bit more and see how it was affecting them. Um, and I started it. So the theme for it was back to school because September back to school. I can't take that all as my own idea. It was kind of Katie's idea, but from my intro. So I I was saying, um, when I was in year eight at school, um, I was in this horrible English class, which had loads of very misbehaving children in it who used to smash stuff up and run around the class. The teacher had absolutely no control over them. Did you, were you in the wrong set? Um, no, this was top set. Top set had misbehaving. Wow. I know. Just just three of them or something. Anyway, they always ran around the classroom shouting and the English teacher was small and timid and had no chance. And then one day our head of year, who was terrifying and had a big booming voice, came in. (laughs) And I thought, oh, good, because he's going to take these boys out of our class so that we can um, carry on with our learning. Because I was like that at school. I never got in trouble. Me too. <laughs> um, still like said, it now, Lois. Still like it now, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. Do I never get in trouble? <laughs> now you rebel because you couldn't when you were a teenager. I like, well, I, I'm not going to say any more on that. Um, <laughs> instead, of, instead of taking the boys out of our class, he put us all in detention for a week, which I thought was incredibly unfair to punish everyone for the acts of a few. But the reason I said that was because it's a bit like what happens in with financial advice firms where they have to pay the um, financial services compensation scheme levy Mm -hmm. to cover the costs of a few rogue advice firms, but all advice firms have to pay it. So they're paying for the acts of a few, um, which I can see why they complain about and why it's unfair. And it's, you know, it's quite high. Um, I don't know if it happens in other sectors, but certainly it's, it's quite sort of present in financial advice and the fca estimates that about 60 percent of those acting wrongly are appointed representatives so part of networks right and so it's it's toughened up its um ar regime which means that networks now have to look at every single appointed representative they have and carry out these annual reviews and feedback to the fca um why each of their ars is performing well and not doing anything wrong whereas in the past they could just sort of keep an eye on their ARs themselves and just flag any that were wrongdoing to the FCA as and when Mm -hmm. so obviously it's created a big sort of administration burden for networks especially as they're trying not to put um, admin burdens on their ARs and therefore sort of force them away so that was basically what the feature was about and for any more details you should probably read it yeah. It was timed quite well. With, so, already, if they yeah, exactly. Already, you know, it's, it's been out for a while. Or now. if you want to read it again, just to get <laughs> you probably should clarity at, at least three times. Yeah, um, it, it's happened to coincide. Our um, issue going to press happened to coincide with um, the news that Tenet was um, getting rid of all its appointed representatives, offloading them onto well. It's saying they can go to open work. It's doing like a process where they can go to open work or Primus, which is a mortgage advice network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I I haven't looked into that fully, but it could well be to do with this um, burden of the AR regime. 
And there's also sort of questions about whether it's going to discourage more appointed representative or more financial advice firms from entering and becoming appointed representatives. But then the alternative is to become directly authorised, which is arguably even more difficult. And we've heard there's sort of delays around that as well. Yeah, I've heard um, anecdotally that sort of six month backlog of um, DA and AR applications to the FCA. So which is Mm. something I wrote my October leader on, which I won't say any more about because you can go and read it when it comes out. (laughs) Which is very soon. (laughs) Um, But thank you for that, Lois. It sounds like a very interesting story. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about like the initial like comparison of how um, your head of year punished the whole class for a few, because in my mind, uh, I think uh, when people in power do that, as a punishment it's so that um the collective can then bully the few who are doing the bad thing but i don't know how that works in terms of like oh it just made us all hate him it didn't make well i already disliked these boys because they were stopping me from enjoying to kill a mockingbird but um (laughs) but in the context of what you're writing about i don't know how the collective would be able to find the few bad ones and be like hey can you stop doing this because it's no they just me having to pay fees or whatever exactly they just they're just sort of annoyed with the regulators for making them pay those fees more yeah yeah i think i think the regulator would probably argue you know it's there to try and protect the consumer so it's making sure that there's compensation that can be paid out if something's gone wrong but yes why that should come down to all the ones that are going about doing doing well correctly um, i I think that would be a whole day that we could debate that one and maybe still not get to the correct answer yeah because i don't really know what the alternative would be it does it seems very unfair but where else would the money come from so anyway, that it's trying basically the, the regulators trying to stop as many rogue advisors from misbehaving as possible wow. by strengthening its pointed reps regime. Thinking about it now, being a regulator would be no fun. <laughs> um, so I yeah. do not envy that job. At I all. think it's a bit like the you know the SJP discussion earlier. Again, if we put a story up about the FCA or the FCA said something, mm-hmm. it tends to do well. Um, but then the comments might sort of suggest, oh, well, the regulators have been too slow to act, and it's done this or it hasn't done this. Um, and not saying again that it gets everything right, but I I mm-hmm. would argue it can't get everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and maybe we need to look at it like that sometimes. That yes, advisors get very annoyed, or, or certainly our readers. I wouldn't say necessarily all advisors, yeah. but the ones that comment the most on our site tend to express this dissatisfaction with with the regulator. But I think they might then also forget. Well, the FCA is there to regulate the banks, the buildings, you know, the other things within the money world as well and and not just financial advice which although to them is obviously a very very important area is a smaller focus for the regulator on a whole with with everything else it has to contend with um but yes you know there are arguments it's been too slow to act before there's been things that you know why hasn't it stopped these things from going wrong if we've been talking Mm -hmm. about them for years um and and some things do just crop up all the time so how haven't we fixed those areas um but equally as we all know sort of things are getting more sophisticated with the ones that want to do 
damage that ones that yeah. want to do harm will always find a a way so i think it's probably quite difficult for the regulators to be a step ahead of that and to yeah. know how to to fix and solve those problems so true um i mean like people are saying that they're be they've been quite slow when it comes to um penalizing like financial influences and stuff like that and now ai they probably have no idea where they're going to start with that um so it's it, i think it's a difficult job a difficult task like i said it's not one that i would want to do and it just takes takes so long to get things through as well because they have to consult on it and then they have to look at all the consultation responses and then they might have to consult again and then they have to put out policy paper and then they have to bring in the regulations exactly. and whereas ai has just developed you know yeah. So by the time they've gone to exactly. consultation with something, it's moved on. Yeah, by the time that they would have come up with something, AI would have taken over the FCA. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like one one thing I think the FCA could be better at is how it expresses itself as well. So it's often telling, you know, the profession you need to be clearer, you need to make sure that customers understand what's going on. And for us, it can be quite difficult to navigate these consultation papers, all these different names, these technical terms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you were a customer going on and trying to make sense of the register and, and stuff like that. So I think you know, the regulator probably needs to look at itself as well and go, well, how can we communicate more That's clearly? How can we yeah. respond to these things? Which, having said that, we are getting someone from the FCA talking at our Money Marketing Interactive um, conference, which is coming up later this month, 17th mm -hmm. of October. So it'll be great to hear from the regulator directly um, yeah. as to some of that work that's going on. And, and that's something that I've been trying to sort of say as well, of like, well, use us as that thing of talking to that audience directly so that if you're mm -hmm. facing this criticism and, and people sort of challenging what you've done and what you haven't done, mm -hmm. uh, use money marketing as part of that thing to talk to those advisors directly and say, we are listening to you, you know, yeah. or, or we have noticed this and this is what we're doing or this is why we're not doing something else yeah, yeah that was such a silky smooth plug Katie honestly it was so professional. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was gonna do it later but it just seemed yeah I was like this is, this early on that's no that's good I loved it um and finally Mamadou what about you what did you cover in September yeah well um just to pick on what Katie and on the roof I mean uh I mean, my colleagues have been saying, yeah, I, I mean, it's the FCA mm -hmm. and um, and um, advisors. I mean, I did a story um, for online um, based on a, I mean, a study by all data, a financial services, mm -hmm. um, you know, a research firm um, that talk about, um, I mean, the regulation, the, the financial conduct authorities, new consumer duty, you know, which, which came into force in July, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I think they wanted to check the pulse of, I mean, the advice sector, how they are complying with, I mean, the new rules. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, based on the reports, I mean, that was kind of like a very damning, I mean, reports, uh, because I think the advice sector, particularly, I mean, the smaller farms, they are finding it very hard to kind of like uh, cope with the new consumer duty, I mean, rules, I think, because of, um, they said, um, cost, you know, I mean, um, complying cost, you know, I mean, that's okay. That's an issue for them, for them to be able to meet um, the challenges of the consumer duty. You know, so they complain. I think uh, basically, you know, based on what what is it that's costing them more? No, well, I mean, I think because I mean, you have a small, you know, 
you know, advice farms, you know, two-man band, three-man band. Mm -hmm. I mean, they find, it, uh, they find it very difficult to to meet the challenges of the new consumer duty. I, I mean, compared to bigger farms, you know, I think bigger farms, they have like a compliance, I mean, department and other stuff. Right. But the small farms don't have that, you know, so they basically have to outsource, you know, that. Uh... You know, so, so they're saying, you know, that will bring additional costs on them, you know? Oh, yeah, having to yeah. outsource the compliance. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so some were complaining. Some said, I mean, that was giving them, I mean, stress, you know, that was, I mean, and 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 based on advice, I mean, based on the research, one in 10, I mean, are planning to quit, you know, I mean, the quality, you know, like, mm. you know, we can, yeah, we can do this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I thought um, that was very um interesting study you know that i mean that came out and i spoke to the you know at, um, the fca but they are saying uh it's just a tiny you know tiny percentage of advices you know because yeah. saying that, you know i can see both sides because like there's a part of me as a consumer i would like to think that my whoever i'm dealing with as like whatever financial advisor i'm dealing with has a ton of compliance stuff <laughs> that they have to complete in order to carry out um, what they need to for me. But then um, as an advisor, I think it, it goes back to that argument of I have less time to spend with exactly. my exactly. clients because I'm having exactly. to do all of this paperwork. Exactly. And so it's, it, I guess figuring out that balance is there's exactly. still some time and, and to that's figure that out. It's like they just want to focus and do their job, you know, now they have to, mm -hmm. this additional, you know, you know, extra burden. I mean, paperwork. You know, paperwork yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, whether they satisfy client needs, you know, serve the best, best interest of clients and other stuff, you know. So yeah, so much, I mean, stressing, you know, as far as they're concerned, you know, um, you know, these new rules and, and then the, challenging you know uh, markets environments uh talk the biggest you know i mean concern for them you know yeah for the, for the next 12 months and that yeah. goes back to our argument earlier that obviously yeah. if more leave the profession you know exactly. who's coming exactly. in to replace yeah. as well so you've suddenly got an even bigger problem but i think sometimes with advisors a lot of the frustration is is there like a duplication of some of the regulations and the rules obviously yeah. they had treating customers fairly before exactly. and then the consumer duty sort of come up and is a step up from there um so i think yeah trying to get the head round all of these things and a lot of the providers seem to then be offering support for advisors as well to say well we've introduced this channel on our website so we've got this so if you're struggling you know look here or, or look there and obviously it's been talked about for a long time now but it's still relatively early days since, since the implementation Mm, yeah exactly yeah. so right now you might be having those like growing pains right yeah where you are getting your head around but once you get into the flow of things and it's just second nature like you were saying like katie who's gonna be coming in to take over but whoever would come in to take over would only know this process as the process so they wouldn't have anything to compare it to and i think sometimes that's where the complaints come from is that no last time when i was using another system it was so much easier because i learned that system and that's what i was used to and sometimes you can get quite comfortable in that old way um whereas this new way might exactly. be better overall for everyone just to keep everyone safe not just the consumer but also the advisor themselves um and you just have to kind of adapt to it and i know that sometimes people are just like no i don't want to <laughs> Well, I think I think sometimes there's a case and, and every business is probably guilty of it. Like we've always done it this way. So we yeah. will always carry on doing exactly. it that way. And it takes, you know, sometimes a new person to come in and question, why are you doing it? 
like yeah. that, you know that that doesn't make sense or is that the best way oh no but we've always done it that way so it you know it's trying to balance that I guess of sometimes mm-hmm. that outside perspective where someone could come in and go this doesn't make any sense at yeah. all <laughs> Definitely it's, not yeah. exclusive to financial advice. That <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely exactly. not. And then we change. Yeah. Change is always difficult. Oh, it's so, so absolutely. Yeah, you have to go through. I mean, the process. You know, but but I think when I share that with the FC, you know, I mean, I find it fascinating. Even though the, I mean, they started pointing out. Oh, I mean the. The sample of the survey was very small. You know, mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, I mean, you have up to like forty thousand advisors." You know, but these researchers only spoke to two thousand people. Mm-hmm. Even though they spread it out, you know. So, um, I mean, that was their point, you know. But as Katie, you know, um, you know, you know, I mean, said well, yeah, I mean, said previously, kind of like the advices are kind of like keeping up. I mean, with all these new regulation, as you said, you know, yeah. you know, RDR, you know, um, TCF. I mean, treating customers fairly, and now the consumer duty. You know? So it's like. Uh, with all this regulation, I mean, are we seeing changes, you know, because the the advice gap is still there, you know, and 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 it's even I mean getting wider, you know. So I think um, that's the concern also. I mean, as part of research, saying that uh, this will also widen the advice gap because it will make advice more expensive. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the cost, yeah, with the additional cost, you know, because then they'll like add the cost to exactly, exactly. Fees. exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, we'll see. We shall see. Um, you also snuck into the top ten with one of your stories as well last week. Um, yes. Um. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That, that was a scoop. Um. Well. Yeah. Um. I mean. I think. I mean. I mean. You have to act fast. You know. I mean. We are lucky. I mean. In money marketing, we have very good. <laughs> I mean, sources, you know, that will, that will just give us something, you know, and yeah, mm-hmm. we had this insider information of uh, that um, the Iris, you know, CEO, I mean, was stepping down, you know, just after four months, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think um, that was a scoop, I mean, for money marketing. And yeah, we played, I mean, yeah, we acted fast and, <laughs> and got it out there, you know, so yeah, good story. After four, four months, months, not very long. I was going to say. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, um, that's what we're trying to find out. I mean, why is he living? You know, I mean, I spoke to the, I mean, the press guy, you know, who uh, works for Iris, but he refused to go into, I mean, into detail why he's living. He just said, oh, uh, I mean, I wish him well and somebody else will step in, you know. But yeah, you want to know why? Why would somebody. So, I mean, live? if it was personal reasons, they would have said for personal reasons. Exactly. So, I would deduce that something happened. I well, yes, yeah, and uh, and we're keeping an eye on on the new CEO, you know. So um, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the next uh, stuff we want to um, see yeah. whether um, gets get the next stuff. scoop on who exactly. the next CEO is going to be. <laughs> so uh, the the game of business is very interesting to me, um, but let's look forward to October. What a beautiful month. Beginning of cozy, spooky season. Um, <laughs> and uh, so who wrote the cover for the October issue? I did. Wow. Back to back, Lois. So amazing. Yeah, right? Do you know what Almost else I wrote? I wrote the MMM. I mean, you do all the work. And eh? focus and leader. <laughs> wow. It's wow. the lowest issue, the Oxford Exactly. Well, what were, you, were you just super inspired? <laughs> was that writer? That, the, I don't know what the opposite of writer's block is, but that's what you had clearly. Writer's inspiration. Um, yes, I hope people don't get too bored of my voice. But I went on holiday last week, so I just wanted to get lots of stuff done before that. Right, right. Okay. But yeah, my cover feature for October is on the state pension triple lock. 
Right. So, um, there's those debates on who's going to keep it, who's not. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Stephen Cameron from Aegon put out a mm-hmm. comment which I liked, which Katie and I thought would be an excellent um, cover image about um, it being like pensions poker. So, ah. will they, well, he said stick or twist. I'm not sure. I think it's hold or fold. But anyway, I went with hold or fold. I did learn to play poker once and I only learned to play Texas Holden. Texas Holden, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt stick or twist was more like. 1421 yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, me, I, I, yeah. we liked it but i was like oh we might tweak but it, it was slightly <laughs> it was still a good analogy um and so it's you know whether whether the triple lock should remain mm-hmm. so for those who don't know although i'm sure most of our listeners will know the triple lock is when the government increases the state pension by one of three things either 2.5 percent or wage increases, or inflation increases. And so when the latest wage increase data came out, I think it was for up to end of July. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, it means that next year, in April next year, the state pension will increase by 8.5%, probably, because because really? that's the highest. So it's, it's the highest of 2.5% wage increase or inflation increase. Mm-hmm. So because wage increase is the highest at 8.5%, um, that's probably what's going to increase by in April. And in April this year, it increased by something like 10% or 10.1%. So it's the second sort of massive increase for state pensioners in their state pension. So then there, there was this whole debate came out on social media about whether the triple lock is sustainable because it's getting mm-hmm. quite expensive for the Treasury. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to quite a few pensions experts, including Steve Webb, the former pensions minister. Yeah. And he's he's the one who sort of was the brains behind the triple lock. Um, he mm-hmm. was saying it should remain in place, but not up until like not for the next 50 years, but maybe for the next five or 10 years until it's done what it was intended to do, which was to get state pension up to a third of average wages in the UK. Right. Because that's what so you're supposed to have like a third of your average wages as state pension. Then mm-hmm. another third is your personal pension, mm-hmm. and that's predicted to be what people need to live on in retirement generally, on average. Right. Um, but then sense. other people, like including some financial advisors I spoke to, say it's not sustainable and it should be dropped. But then the whole poker thing was to do with whether the two main political parties, they're not committing to whether they're going to keep it or drop it, because obviously the next general election is due by January 2025 mm-hmm. but it could be called earlier mm-hmm. and the general public who doesn't generally it's a big generalization mm-hmm. but doesn't generally understand the state pension and particularly the triple lock so yeah. they're all up in arms about it and when they hear pension triple lock could be dropped what they hear is um your state pension is... will go down mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily the case it doesn't mean as one of the advisors i spoke to said just because the triple lock's going to be dropped doesn't mean what comes in its place is going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. But so that's the whole debate. Neither so, have presented anything that could come into its place. So and ne- no, exactly. So I had a bit of a conversation around that and what could be done. Basically, the upshot is that most of the people I spoke to, and I think just the general consensus in the industry, is that there should be an independent review, independent mm-hmm. of politics, about what the triple lot could be replaced with, so that state pension continues to go up and doesn't just drop or stay the same Mm. um but yes at the moment neither the tories nor the 
Labour Party have committed to whether they're going to keep it or get rid of it. Hence the whole poker thing, hold or fold. Didn't um, but didn't Lib Dem say that they would? Yeah, but they're not Lib- very important, yeah. are they? Lib Dem. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They're gaining traction in my area. I was surprised. Well, that's how it came about in the first place, isn't it? Really, because it was the coalition government. Yes. Um. So you know, it was probably the the Lib Dem side of that that was um keen to introduce. But uh, yes, so they they've said they'll they'll maintain it regardless. Yeah, but then <laughs> but even then, is it maintain it forever or just for the next five years? Or because the um, Institute for Fiscal Studies did some research, uh, brought out a research report just around the same time, saying that if you maintained it for fifty years, or no, by twenty fifty, the cost of it, if we keep the triple lock, will be unsustainable. I can't remember all the numbers. You're going to have to read the report. I, for I, the think, numbers, but... I think that's part of the thing, isn't it? That there needs to be that you know proper discussions about it so like Lois said if, if people sort of hear certain things or they think or there's that you know those image of pensioners that are in poverty and, and you sort of think well that's really horrible like you can't make that an even harder situation for them but it's it's not necessarily you know no one's saying about taking things away from the hardest people you know the people that need it the most maybe but um, it's having proper discussions about it and I, I think that's the thing of you know it needs to be open and honest and uh, say why it wouldn't work anymore obviously during the pandemic it had to change uh slightly and became like a a double lock for a while and then Mm. there was a you know discussion as to whether it would come back as a triple lock or or not but I think it's you know it's that thing of where other people in society are also struggling as well with everything that's going on at the moment that is it then completely unfair to just make sure one proportion of the population is looked after yeah exactly more than others and the, a big um issue is that lots of people think that they've paid into it because they've paid national insurance contributions their whole working life and they're even called contributions so they just assume they've contributed to a pot which then they're Available, like it should be available yeah. to them, but when that's not actually the case, it's be, it's paying for the current generation of state pensioners, state pension or pensioners, state pensions, um, and other things as well. Not so we have going... to wait for Gen Alpha to pay for ours. Exactly. There's no there's no pot for state pension, um, and then there's that whole issue about whether it should be means tested. But that's a big that could be a whole cover feature in itself. To be honest, it's a massive thing. Wow. Probably not because the sort of extra departments and people that need to be hired and things and extra costs would actually probably outweigh the benefits of it being means tested. But anyway, I've I've pretty much given you the entire cover feature. I was going to say at some point <laughs> I might need, need to, to talk cut about some it. Of in <laughs> no, no, just maybe copy and paste that into next month. Ask him. <laughs> Um, but we'll make yeah. it talk about the rest of the magazine that yeah. you produced. For yeah, moment. we yeah. could stick with you, but I think I, I will cut it there and say for everything else Lois has contributed to this magazine, please do pick it up, um, whether that's a physical issue or um, getting it online once it comes out digitally. I just really enjoyed writing that cover feature. It's just really fun. Anyway, no, it's really interesting. I'll stop talking now. <laughs> um, I guess you were I'm like, really well, she did it because I just suddenly was like, right, I think we haven't done one on pensions properly for a while, Lois. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> My pension's gone. Someone needs to be. Yeah. Someone needs <laughs> to be. Well done. Good job. Good job. Yeah. So Lois is stepping into the pension. Yeah, you can send the person. Yeah. 
you can send it's actually it's a really interesting area i would yeah um but i'm gonna move on uh what about you darius is there anything you have coming up on in october uh, there's an event that I'll, I think would be quite interesting uh, from Morningstar. <clears throat> um, it's just talking about the 1.5 degree pathway and like you know the sort of sustainable and um, sort of the, the stuff from the UN that everyone sort of agreed to adhere to, and they, that um, ESG professionals Morningstar are going to be there to discuss it and like the wide impact it's got on the uh, you know not just the world but you know the markets as well. I thought that'd be quite interesting because obviously it's something that affects all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they just, are they yeah. going to also discuss uh, Rishi Sunak's walk back as well? Uh, they haven't. I, I'm sure it's going to come up. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it didn't. But um, it wasn't listed in the in the sort of criteria that we're going to discuss. But yeah, maybe I, they they I wouldn't come up the event. They had yeah. Before, but that hadn't no, come yeah. up yet. So, yeah. No. Potentially. Yeah. yeah I, can't, I can't remember the timeline now. But yeah. Uh, but I, I bet that will at least get a mention from someone yeah yeah well i look forward to hearing i did speak to someone from morningstar um actually um about their esg portfolio and we did have a conversation about that but that is in um anticipation of cop 28 um so that podcast episode will drop around that time but we kind of discussed um how esg and sustainable investing have remained a important part of people's portfolios um even someone like me who has quite a tiny portfolio i still like to think like ooh, what can i get that's esg worthy um <laughs> so yeah i think yeah knowing more about it and it being more readily available um op- having options that are readily available i think have been quite beneficial um and katie what about you What's well, going on? I, I think what a great job the team have gone of, of telling you nothing in terms of actual like scoops because you know they want you to read it first. Yeah. Think. So yeah. that that's why, you know, keeping the, the poker analogy, we're keeping our cards very close to our chest, Kim. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely. want people to still be reading it. Um like say, so, yeah, read read the rest of the October issue because Lois has done a fantastic job with with a lot more of the pieces as well as have the rest of the team obviously we're missing some of our key players amanda and maria as well so they would usually have a lot to contribute in terms of the features side of things as well but yeah i think i think we're all um looking forward to money marketing interactive yeah i did my little plug earlier yes that's, that's a big thing um coming up for us so we'll obviously get out a lot of stories from that there's various other conferences in the industry that the team will be going and, and covering as well which is, is mm-hmm. nice um but uh yeah for money marketing interactive it's got an overall theme of, of technology um so we'll be looking into some of those areas that we were discussing earlier of, of how ai can sort of take over and things that's going on um but it, it's still just a, a good general rounded thing of bringing the content to life really and mm-hmm. having um, a chance to have those discussions and debates um there's going to be some great keynote talks as well so yeah really really looking forward to to hosting that and attending yeah i'm looking forward to it um i always enjoy the conferences i feel like i get a lot more real life um experience or uh explanations because i think maybe i'm such an auditory learner that it, when someone explains something or a concept it makes more sense to me so i do enjoy the conferences a lot 
and I'll be doing a panel again. So I'm excited for that. Um, hopefully you won't flub because in real life you can't edit. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. You, don't edits, Kim. you don't need edits. Uh, what if we that's one the first time I decide to like drop an F-bomb on stage? I don't know. Um, that would be crazy. But Maybe just I, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but now that the I'm FCA, thinking so about used it. To hearing it, Kim, it's fine. If you say the FCA, it's not a problem at all. Oh. <laughs> I just don't That's want the F word to for advisors, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it'll be it's it should be a really good month. Again, I said I love October, not just because it's spooky season, but also just we have a lot of exciting things coming up. So, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you all again at the end of October once we've wrapped up MMI and we've wrapped up um, everything that might be coming out, any exclusives that might come out in October. So excited to cover those. And yeah, I look forward to speaking to you guys again later. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Cool. Thank Thanks. you. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, papà. Ciao, 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 ciao